And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of This Show Is All About You, a show about all the ways in which you and me become we and what that means for all of us. As always, I am your host, J.D.K. Winnikin. You can find out more about me at wordsbyjdk.com and on my social media feeds at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Welcome to episode 15 for April 19th, 2021. And, uh... Feeling a little feisty uh, today. Uh, Going to be talking. We're talking about creativity this month, and uh, I've got some decided thoughts on how we push ourselves forward in our creative enterprises and what we should expect, and why this isn't always the most comfortable thing, but should be the best thing for us. And so, uh, to kind of kick this off, the title for today's show—it's <laughs> a longer one than usual. It's the unintended consequences of butterflies. <laughs> now. It sounds like either a really bad French avant-garde movie or a weird uh, mid-season episode of Kung Fu from back in the 1970s. But nevertheless, it's the best I could do today, so I'm going with it. And today's haiku uh, to get us started goes like this. If I fly too high for too long, I can forget the smell of flowers. If I fly too high for too long, I can forget the smell of flowers. And it's Today's show is about unintended consequences. And the reason why I'm talking about unintended consequences of butterflies is uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about the butterfly effect today when it comes to creativity. And just kind of take us back a little bit in this month's discussion of this. Two weeks ago, uh, in our first look at creativity, I suggested that creativity in action, when we do things that are creative, can move us out of the status quo. And maybe the best thing about it is that for ourselves at least, it can show us what's possible for and in ourselves that maybe we didn't know was there. Maybe we were stronger than we thought, more creative than we thought. Maybe we found interests that we didn't know that we had or re-engaged in ones that we used to. And the benefits of that go well beyond whatever commercial success a creative endeavor may or may not find. And then last week when uh, I had guest Mary Gleason here, she suggested that that very thing, the stepping out of that status quo, is actually stepping out of a safe and small life, as she put it. And we do that by learning to how to recognize and trust our intuition. And so I really want to take a look at starting from that small and safe space idea. I'd like to talk a little bit about today uh, what happens when we take those steps in creativity. And oftentimes what I hear from people and what I've heard over the, from, uh, from listeners and readers from the last couple of weeks is, Oftentimes, the biggest hurdle for them in doing something creative is they're either A, they're not sure they're going to like it or feel like they're good at it, or what other people are going to think of it. I see it all the time in my conversations with other writers as well, and uh, often have to remind myself that the best, the best critic and the best judge of my own writing in the end is going to be me. And, but it can be tough to get to that point because certainly we want the, our creative things to look good read well, sound good, whatever it might be, to ourselves and to other people. And the idea of it not being those things can be really deflating or even frightening, particularly when it comes to what other people uh, may think of it. So if you're at a stage now where you've been thinking about, well, there are, there's a creative outlet that I would like to pursue, and you're about to step into it, then th today's show is for you. Because I'm going to talk a little bit about couple of good things, and then a couple of challenges that, from my own experience, I've seen follow right behind it. And the first thing is, if you are ready, if you're feeling like you're ready to engage in a creative endeavor, 
it's proof on some level that you might actually be at the point where you're willing to face the discomfort of what may or may not come from it. That you might be willing to like get involved in painting and realize, mm, maybe I don't like this as much as I thought, or maybe this is harder than I thought. You might also be willing to put yourself out there and take other people's opinions on whatever your creative endeavor might be. And so if you're thinking about it, but wondering if you're ready, the very fact that you're actually willing to step out into that, in my experience, shows that you are ready. And really, in the end, if you're, if you're on, for example, if you're getting ready to jump off of a, a diving board into a pool and, you know, you're kind of scared about it, kind of worried about it, well, you're already out there. <laughs> so you might as well just take that next, next step. You were ready enough to get to the end of the diving board. The next step is simply the next step. And once you take that step, <laughs> nature, or in this case, gravity, takes its course. So that's, that's the good part. Now, what's interesting about it, though, and this is what we're really going to dig into today, you can have in your creative endeavor all hopes, aims, plans, goals, clear paths laid out, all of which are necessary, right? Setting goals for what you want to get done in a certain amount of time or a long-term plan of how you're going to market yourself or market whatever it is that you're doing. All those things are important, but really where I think the fear comes in, and this often can hinder us from engaging in our creativity, is we're worried about unintentional consequences, even if we don't necessarily phrase it that way. But I'm going to encourage all of us to be thinking about that might be actually the most important part of what comes out of the creative process, because unintended consequences are things that we, A, cannot control, which shows us not only our limitations, perhaps, in a given situation, but also helps highlight our options of what we can do. And because it's what we have the least control over, I would suggest, it's our greatest learning opportunity in the creative process. And so rather than being worried about unintended consequences, I think we should recognize them as just a reality. They cannot be avoided. They cannot be predicted, hence the very name. And Chaos theory, chaos theory, I should say, highlights this and calls this the butterfly effect. Right? The idea that a butterfly uh, flapping its wings on the western side of the Pacific can set off a ripple effect that can create a hurricane on the eastern side of the Pacific. And, you know, you can also think of another visual of, you know, when there's an earthquake uh, under the ocean and it creates tsunami waves that go out in all directions and how those waves, whether they do damage or not, depends on, if they hit land, uh, what that land looks like, you know, what side, of the, what side of an island or a coast it hits on. All of those things are sort of predictable in the sense that something will happen, but not in their specifics. So that butterfly effect is something that is a part of every creative endeavor that we do. Historians like me, who aren't necessarily chaos theorists, tend to call this the law of unintended consequences. And I'd like to step back a little bit and talk a little bit about this. As a historian, I would actually argue very forcefully, and I have before, that the law of unintended consequences is really the only actual law that is universal across space and time, across culture, across every other way that we divvy up humanity, uh, is the only one that actually exists. Right. Certainly, we can talk about predictives in human behavior, in individuals or groups, in individual situations. But overall, the law of unintended consequences 
might be the only universal law that's actually out there that we can expect to happen to everyone at any time. And if you want to disagree with me, that is fine. And let me know uh, how you do uh, by uh, getting in touch with me. Now, so for example, right, some of these things, some of these things that historians run into all the time is just a way of setting up where I'm going to go here. Uh, oftentimes I hear and read that history repeats itself. Maybe you have actually said that or believe that. Well, I don't know of any professional historian that actually believes that. So I would say, no, it does not. Uh, Mark Twain once famously said that history doesn't repeat itself, but it actually rhymes. Uh, I think he's closer to the truth on that, but I would actually say rather than it being rhyming poetry, <laughs> I actually think history is more like free verse poetry. <laughs> it it isn't necessarily limited uh, by rhyme and meter. Uh, it's it's much more fluid than that. Uh, there actually is no historical event that has ever repeated itself. Uh, we can have conversations about patterns. We can have conversations about commonalities or common uh, failings of humanity, that type of thing. But it's not repetition, right? And so that's not a law uh, in human behavior and in history. Oftentimes, I think that those who really you know, really believe in that and invest in that, it's really a convenient way to to duck the deep discomfort that really the history and people are constantly changing and unprecedented things happen all the time. You can just roll back over the last couple of years <laughs> and think of the unprecedented things that have been seen, not only in this country and around the world, to get proof of that. And new inventions happen all the time. For example, what was the precedent to the invention of the airplane and the expansion of it. There is none. You could talk about, I suppose you could talk about cars to a certain degree. You could talk about boats to a certain degree. But all those things are very distinct. And so there is no repetition in that sense. A, a, another, another thing that gets said oftentimes, uh, those who do not learn the lessons of history are doomed to repeat them. Uh, that's another wonderful phrase that often gets thrown around um, Usually, I have found, when we don't have anything else to really say <laughs> on this subject, but this depends entirely on the lessons that we are talking about. People often draw the lessons they want to see from history. I could put 10 people in a room and talk about the lessons we should draw from a historical event and get 10 different answers. Oftentimes, around the basis of things they already believe, things they already emphasize, things that they believe they already know. And so these are kind of convenient things to fall back on. Lessons of history aren't uniform. And opposing lessons can be drawn from the same events. So certainly there's cause and effect in history and in, and in life. And every action produces an exact and opposite reaction. But what I'm talking about here is that once we start having these unintended consequences of actions, inactions, whatever it might be, cascade out... They cannot be predicted or planned for. They can only be responded to in the end and in some cases absorbed. And I wrote about this uh, in my blog post over the weekend at wordsbyjdk.com. And I did this by kind of talking a little bit about the world building that I did in the creation of my alternate history novel, uh, which is called Crella's Inferno. It's named after the main character. And just to, to again, to give everybody a reminder, this alternate history novel is predicated on the idea of D-Day, June 6, 1944, the D-Day invasions in Normandy, 
failing rather than being a success. In real history, the success of D-Day allowed American and British troops to land on the continent and eventually move in on Nazi Germany from the West while the Soviets moved in from the East. It was one of the most important moments uh, in all of human history and certainly in 20th century history. Well, as part of my fictional account here, I turned that into a defeat. And in order to do that, as I talked about in my piece, I had to bring to bear everything that I had just said about history repeating itself, about uh, the lessons of history, about unintended consequences. I had to bring all that to bear alongside the knowledge I have of that era as a historian to figure out what those unintended consequences would look like as the effects of a D-Day defeat rippled out uh, across the world. And it was a really fun process to go through. And um, I had to use both sides of my brain. So Mary Gleason, if you're listening, you'd be thrilled uh, at this uh, <laughs> because I was using both sides of my brain. And uh, I had to make very creative yet educated guesses on what this would have looked like. And uh, just to give you a little shorthand of what I came up with, here are some of the longer term unintended consequences of what I speculated would happen if D-Day had failed. And I'm not going to be able to explain all of these uh, here today, so you have to go read the piece for yourself. But here are some big ones. All of Europe, I speculated, would have become communist or allied with the Soviet Union because the Soviet Union occupied all of Europe, in my story, to win the war because there were no American and British troops there in the West. And so rather than Europe being divided down the middle in the Cold War, the big dividing line wasn't in Berlin. It was the English Channel. Right? And that changes that world a little bit. I also, to go even further out, uh, and this will be controversial to some people, uh, I speculated that because D-Day was a failure, one of the long-term unintended consequences is that there wouldn't be a Korean War in the 1950s. Nor necessarily would have there been a communist China by 1949. And there very likely would not have been a Vietnam War either. There also would have been a, there probably had been no state of, uh, state of Israel, I speculated, and very different relations between the United States and Muslim nations in that part of the world. Now, you might be thinking, whoa, how did you get there from D-Day? Well, it was a very, very long laid out process of anticipating and debating in my mind potential causes and effects. And I actually will stand by these things. I've, I've run them by other historians that I know and I've read other accounts, sort of what-if accounts of what other historians have said. And there seems to be some consensus that these at least would be possible. Now, that sounds amazing to my ears, and I'm sure it does to yours as well, that one event in one place in 1944, as big of an event as it was, could have world-shaping effects that go literally around the world. And yet, that kind of illustrates the larger point that I'm making here. Uh, of course, none of these can be proven. Right, because there's speculation. This is fiction, after all. Uh, but what I'm suggesting here is that it's not all that different for what any of us want to do in our own creative enterprises. That we can, to a certain degree, try to predict or plan out what our next steps might be. If A happens, I'll look at it this way. If B happens, I'll look at it this way. If C happens, I will act this way. But you can't put every single letter in the alphabet out there and plan for it. And you might be able to do A, B, and C, but then D, E, and F are going to be the next step beyond that, the next step beyond that, the next step beyond that. And what can happen, I think, it's one thing to do it in fiction, 
right? I was having a blast doing that because there's no real life consequences to that. I was just trying to create a really good story. But it's a lot harder, I know, when I have to do that myself for my own stuff. And with writing this book and marketing it myself right now, I have really come to face-to-face with those unintended consequences and the challenges and the emotions that come up with it. I have been extraordinarily uncomfortable until recently with self-promotion. And I think that's something that uh, a lot of creative people uh, run into. And it is hard because unless you take classes on it, and even then it doesn't necessarily do it, every single creative person is unique um, in and of themselves. And so how to market themselves is going to be unique to them. And so it's been a constant discovery for me over the past year or two. On Really, in the end, it sounds simple, but it was a long road to get there. The best way for me to market myself as a writer is to just be me in as many different ways as I can through as many different outlets. And so some of the unintended consequences of that was me being much more active on social media than I've ever really wanted to be, to be honest. And it's also led to things like this very show that I'm sitting here doing uh, as a way to sort of put myself out there and and become more of a larger conversation and get more feedback in and kind of build, I guess, what you could call either a following or whatever. These are all things that I would not have thought of and I didn't think of when I was writing the story. But as I took each step beyond it to what is the next indicated step now that the book is done, this is where I needed to end up. And as I've said um, on this show before, the marketing and the work on trying to get a book published in some ways is a lot harder than writing the book itself, at least in, in my experience. And so, you know, even though there are direct consequences of me taking the creative action to write the book, the unintended consequences have far and away been the most challenging and yet have also taught me more about myself and what I can do and that what, what I need help in doing from other people than anything that the direct consequences produced. And it helped teach me a lot about acceptance. <laughs> when things, an unintended consequence happens, uh, it's up to me whether I accept it as such or whether I don't. And it's up to me to decide how I want to respond to it. And in the end, it's kind of becomes a larger metaphor for life, right? You could say that about just about anything. Uh, we get to decide if an unintended consequence of something or a direct consequence is something that helps lead to better habits or worse habits, for example. Do they lead to new interests or do they lead to sort of stepping back and withdrawing from things? So if this sounds scary to you, I get it. But what I'm suggesting is that this is actually normal. (laughs) You know, if, if I'm right, and that the only law that's actually out there is the law of unintended consequences when it comes to this stuff, then really this is something that is inescapable for every single one of us. And if it is inescapable to a certain degree, beyond acknowledging the fear that can come with it or the anxiety, that should be about it. It shouldn't preclude us from taking creative steps that are a way for us to connect better with ourselves, to connect with others, to put something out in the world, to maybe trigger even things like ambition that isn't bad by itself. All of those things are going to bring about unintended consequences. And if that is going to happen, 
and I say this just as much for my own ears as for anybody else's, then why worry about it so much? Why get so wrapped up in trying to either predict what those are going to be or come up with ideas of how I would respond to them if A, B, C, D, or E happened that I get completely disconnected from reality? And I speak from experience on this. I am a champion, black belt, whatever you want to call it, in paralysis by analysis, historically. And so sometimes taking action for me seemingly can only happen after I've thought through at least 15 different scenarios of what I can do. And then inevitably, whatever scenario I came up with isn't the one that actually happens. (laughs) Right? It's really funny to say this. I consider myself a good storyteller, but my internal storyteller is not very good at its job. (laughs) At least if its job is to sort of help me navigate unintended consequences without any fear. It doesn't do a good job of that. So what I'm suggesting is this approach to unintended consequences is simply living life. What it does is it helps us create a bigger life than we would have otherwise. Because here's the flip side of this. To do nothing, right, it also has unintended consequences and direct consequences. So there are those risks involved in taking those steps outward. And it's not just in creativity, it's in anything in life, in in taking healthy risks. But those unintended consequences don't just happen based on things that we say. They can happen when we don't say something. They don't just happen when we do something. They can happen when we don't do something. What ends up happening when we don't do something or we don't say something on our own behalf or on somebody else's behalf is we keep ourselves small. And when we keep ourselves small, as Mary said last week, we keep ourselves safe. I would also suggest we keep ourselves limited and disconnected from other people as well as from our own potential. The status quo of ourselves is something created by ourselves. One of, the, one of the greatest successes I've had in life has been in the last few years where I've been able to take a look back and go, the status quo of my life now is pretty great. Sometimes I'm a little busier than I probably should be, and I don't take as many breaks as I should. But my status quo is I write for my website every week. I do this show every week. I work on my book every week. I engage with uh, followers and listeners on social media every week. I help others who are doing similar things every week. And that's a wonderful thing. By no stretch of the imagination would, would I be able to say that I can make a living on doing all these things yet, although that is a goal, right? And yet, that's not the definition of success that I have found. One of the unintended consequences of pushing myself out there to do all of these things that I've mentioned has been I've learned very clearly and experienced what happiness, success, peace looks like for me. And it's not the way I envisioned it once upon a time. It isn't. In fact, it's quite different. And the very fact that it's so different from what I expected, I truly believe is why I value it more. It surprised me. When we stay small, and I know when I was staying small, back in my crazy days, 
when I was staying small and keeping everybody out of my life and disconnecting from everything, there was nothing surprising. Everything was very predictable and it made me miserable. And so in order to find the surprise and the wonder that came with that, even though I couldn't predict what it was going to look like or where it was going to come from or when, I had to take the initial steps to put myself out there. And it wasn't just creativity to start with. To get myself out of that small space, I had to acknowledge to other people that I needed help getting out of that small space. I needed to learn language and ways to, ways to cope with reality. I had to get lots of different types of help, even on everyday things like how to budget my money and how to dress better, how to interview for jobs. All of those things were prerequisites for me taking all of these steps creatively. And that doesn't mean it's the same for everybody else. There could be somebody out there in one of those small spaces who throws themselves into a creative endeavor and all those other things I just listed follow. That's the beauty of this, is every single one of us, even though the universal law of unintended consequences applies, every single one of us has unique sets of paths to carve, to deal with them, and to create our own life. And when we create our own life where we find success and peace and belonging and purpose, whatever that looks like, that has the extended unintended consequence, but great consequence of connecting us to other people And I truly believe helping us be healthier with ourselves and with other people. And everybody benefits from that. And so engaging in our creative outlets then cascades out from ourselves and has the consequence, unintended or not, of bettering ourselves and those people around us and society at large. It's the equivalent of (laughs) D-Day sending out ripples to the other side of the world. What we do for ourselves ripples out and can to the other side of the world, literally, in some cases. And so hopefully, if it all sounded scary to you, it all sounds more exciting now. So it's a challenge that I would ask you to think about over this next week as we start wrapping up our discussion of creativity On next week's show, I'm going to finish up our discussion. And then at the end of it, I'm going to have a special Facebook Live like I've done in these past couple of months. And I have a very special guest uh, uh, to interview. And that is me. I'm going to give all of you out there, listeners, followers, an opportunity to jump on Facebook Live and talk with me a little bit, ask questions about what I'm doing, about my writing, about your own process. We give you the opportunity to do that. And that's on my uh, Facebook feed. So be looking for that and come up with your questions. Send them to me in advance if you'd like. And I look forward to talking with you next week. So thanks for joining me on this episode of This Show is All About You. Look forward to seeing you next week. And until then, chins up, everyone. 